0: Hi there, you are listening to the Peterborough Currents podcast and the Arthur Newspaper podcast. My name is Will. I'm the publisher and editor of Peterborough Currents, and we've teamed up with Arthur Newspaper to bring you a series of podcasts about Peterborough's 2024 municipal budget deliberations. This is episode two in the series. We are releasing it on November 20th, 2023. On this episode, we are recapping what happened at the November 14th and November 15th Finance Committee meetings where citizens and community groups and local agencies had a chance to address Council about the upcoming budget. Before we get to that, though, I just want to take a second to get you oriented so you know sort of where we stand in the budget process. As I said, we are releasing this episode on November 20th. That means city councilors are beginning their budget deliberations tonight. Councilors will go through the budget page by page and line by line and debate what changes should be made to it. The budget is hundreds of pages long, so they won't get it all done tonight. They will return tomorrow night, November 21st, and Wednesday, November 22nd to keep going. It really is a marathon. After they finish those deliberations, the amended budget is expected to go to City Council for a final vote on December 11th. And at that meeting, the December 11th meeting, there is another opportunity for citizens to address Council. If you have anything you want to say, you can sign up to give a delegation at that meeting if you wish. Okay, so we have a lot to cover on this episode, we're going to talk about everything from arts funding to economic development to the police budget. You're going to hear Arthur co-editor Evan Robbins and myself discuss the November 14th meeting and then you'll hear the another other co-editor Sebastian Johnston Lindsay and myself discuss the November 15th meeting. So here's Evan to get us started.
1: Okay, so Tuesday November 14th was a chance for citizens to address councilors about the proposed budget. Mm-hmm. I wasn't there, but Will, you were watching. Can you tell me a bit more about what happened?
0: Yes, I was watching on the internet. There were, I think, about 12 registered delegations from citizens. Um, Citizens get five minutes each to talk to councillors about their thoughts on the budget. Um, But almost all of the ones that showed up were actually representing local community groups who are staring down a cut to the funding that they receive from the city. So the city has this program called Community Service Grants. These grants provide funding to local arts groups, social service agencies, organizations like that to help them to do their work. And the draft budget this year proposes cutting these grants by 3.6% for most of the groups that receive them. So when we talk
1: about community organizations that are facing cuts to their community service grants, what kind of groups are we talking about specifically?
0: Uh, Okay, so like just as an example, ArtSpace, the the Downtown Gallery and Artist Run Center receives one of these grants. Um, Last year, it was worth $37,294. And in next year's budget, Uh, or the the draft budget rather, proposes reducing that to $35,962. So that's a decrease of 3.6%. Leslie Minard, the artistic director of Artspace was one of the citizens who made a delegation to council um, on the November 14th finance committee meeting. Here's what she said.
2: Artspace is in receipt of the annual service grant for which to our distress, the city has proposed a 5% decrease in 2024. This is an alarming shift. From previous year's proposed annual 1.5 increases and though this, although the savings to the city is negligible as a result of this cut what it represents to service grant recipients like us is that our ability to deliver reliable quality programming is destabilized.
0: Another recipient of the Community Service Grant is the Community Race Relations Committee. They're a group that has done anti-racist work in Peterborough for for decades. Patricia Wilson was at the Finance Committee meeting representing the CRRC. uh, And Patricia told Council that the city shouldn't be cutting its support for a group that's doing anti-racist work in Peterborough when hate crimes have been documented to be on the rise here.
3: It was reported in 2021 that Peterborough has the second highest rate of hate crimes and race-based incidents in Canada, according to census data, and I've recently heard that number has more than doubled in 2023. Now, more than ever, our services and supports uh, that we provide are desperately needed.
1: So it sounds like a lot of groups posted delegation to the city to argue against these cuts to community service grants.
0: Uh, yeah, there's altogether there's 14 community groups who are threatened with this funding cut. Um, they range from, like the Little Lake Music Festival to Peterborough Greenup to the Peterborough Drug Strategy, um, and a lot of the delegations kind of attempted to kind of like put up a, a unified front uh, and kind of argue that all of these groups are contributing to the social or environmental well-being. Of the city, and that they should all be—they should all have their funding um, restored to to the previous levels and not cut.
4: When I look at the list of service grant recipients, I'm struck by the collective impact of the organizations that it funds, the social fabric that I know makes Peterborough a wonderful place to live, work, and play is one that includes the arts, community supports, and environmental
5: organizations.
0: So that was Tegan Moss. She's the executive director of Peterborough Greenup. Um, here's Andy Craig, the executive director of the new Canadian Center.
5: What we do as service grant recipients is of such value that if it stopped, it would cause a challenge or even a crisis, and the city might even have to step in and figure out how to deliver that service. I don't envy the task that you have in front of you in crafting next year's budget, but I urge you to look elsewhere for the cost savings you need to find to fund planned expenditures.
1: So we've heard a lot from community organizations so far.
0: What else did people bring up? So there really weren't that many other Concerns brought up, I think there were like maybe two or three citizens who made delegations that weren't representing one of these groups that are facing these community service grant cuts. Um, Trisha Clarkson was one of them. She phoned into the meeting to express her displeasure with the proposed 9.6% tax hike.
4: Uh, 9.59% tax hike is higher than the rate of inflation, which is currently at 3.8% right now, um, and our municipal taxes should try to match the <clears throat> rate of inflation because Residents and homeowners are having a hard time making ends meet, as it is. Um, As Peterborough is the number one city in Canada that has the most amount of seniors, most of who are living on small pensions, council should consider raising taxes no more than 3.8%, same rate as inflation. A 9.59% tax hike is much higher than the percentage allowed for annual rent control hikes in Ontario by landlords, which is currently 2.5%. The city should try to keep in line with a few percentages of rent hikes. There should be a cap on how much the city is allowed to jump its taxes, just as there's a cap on how much landlords are allowed to increase their rent percentages. Landlords will also be adversely affected by the city's drastic tax increase because they're only allowed to raise rents 2.5%. While well, at the same time, they'll have to pay 9.59% in taxes.
1: Okay, so we have representatives from community groups saying, don't cut our grants. But we also have this citizen saying, don't raise my taxes. It seems to me that there's a conflict here.
0: I mean, yes and no, it's uh, it's true that you can't like reverse these cuts without raising property taxes, and no one's happy about the prospect of paying hundreds of dollars more in taxes next year. And I think like that citizen that we just heard from Trisha is definitely like right to point out how hard those extra taxes are going to be for some households to pay. But I don't know that wanting lower taxes necessarily puts you in conflict with these particular community groups. Um, The grants that these groups receive are really not what's driving the property tax increase. They're actually like an incredibly small portion of the city's budget. Um, Sue Ditta, the executive director of the Electric City Culture Council, was at the meeting and she made this point um, just before the meeting got started.
2: I
4: think that when you look at what those overall numbers are, it's so small. It's shocking that we're trying to deal with giant size economic problems by cutting these tiny organizations.
0: So we mentioned on the first episode of this podcast that the median household in Peterborough will have to pay an extra $434 on their tax bill next year if the 9.6% tax increase is approved. Meanwhile, the cuts being proposed for these groups, I did a little bit of math uh, on my paper next to me during this meeting um, to figure out, okay, what is this actually going to save the taxpayer if these cuts go through? And what would it cost the taxpayer to reverse the cuts? And it works out to like 60 cents, maybe 65 cents. So if we're talking about a property tax increase of $434 for the median household, 60 cents is really not a big proportion of that.
1: Yeah, when you put it that way, it seems like these community service grants are not really the biggest thing contributing to this year's tax bill. So then I guess what it seems to me is that if we want to see a lower tax rate, we need to begin to examine some of the bigger budget item lines uh, that are on this draft budget.
0: Yeah, so maybe like things like the capital budget, um, which I think makes up about eighteen percent of the property tax next year, or the the police budget, which, which also makes up about eighteen percent of the the property tax for next year, would be I think like better places to look for savings if you really want to make a dent in in the the tax rate increase. Um, but that's yeah, that wasn't really talked about on the November fourteenth meeting. And I think this this is something I've watched like city budget deliberations for a few years now. And I'm always struck by the way they often zone in on incredibly insignificant sums of money to debate. Um, And I think this is just a, a really good example of how that happens. And like the whole meeting, this was an hour and a half meeting, I think, and it was mostly focused on these grants that are this like minuscule portion of the city's budget, and seem to get this like extra scrutiny from city council. Um, but that's basically everything that happened on November 14th at the Finance Committee meeting. But before we go, I wanted to share with you one more clip from another citizen that spoke. We heard earlier from Trisha Clarkson, a citizen who said that, um, who argued against this 9.6% tax increase. Um, another citizen named Rob Hillman also spoke and he argued that, well, no one wants to pay this extra money. He doesn't think that the budget looks inefficient or wasteful.
6: We all know that the tax increase that we is on the table before us is higher than anybody might want to see. But it's it does not seem to me that it is a a wasteful or uh, inefficient budget. Um, With that in mind, I'm here above all else to beseech you as you're considering any changes you might to make to the draft before you uh, to exercise a great deal of prudence and careful deliberation. Um, I know that there is going to be great pressure to find places to save money um, and with the the budget we have before us, anywhere it seems could be would be an incredibly difficult choice that requires great deliberation. We face a number of challenges in in Peterborough and in the world that can only be addressed with the assistance or the involvement of the public sector, including the municipal sector. The housing crisis, the addiction crisis, the climate crisis. Um, you know, issues with with employment and economic development. These aren't challenges that Peterborough as a municipality can meet on its own. But unfortunately, higher levels of government are all too often absent. And that absence only increases the importance of the investments that are proposed in this budget.
1: OK, so that was Rob Hillman speaking to the 2024 draft budget at the Tuesday, November 14th Finance Committee meeting. Uh, Thank you so much for talking with me, Well, I feel like I've learned a lot more about the processes of this budget deliberation. Okay,
0: are you going to go to the next meeting?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I certainly hope
0: so. Yeah, they're fun. Okay, so now we're going to talk about the Finance Committee meeting that was held on November 15th. Sebastian, you were there. Tell me what happened, what was this meeting all about?
7: Yeah, so November 15th was a chance for external organizations that are funded by the city to present their budget requests to council and for councillors to ask questions about it. And there are 10 such organizations listed in the budget. They range from the Peterborough Public Health to Fairhaven Long-Term Care Home to the Peterborough Humane Society, or just Mm -hmm. just some that are listed there. Um, But the police are by far the biggest of these groups, and with the proposed budget of $35 million being asked of the city this year, and following that is the paramedics with a $6 million budget ask. Uh, for the city in 2024 um, but only three groups showed up and those three groups were the police the innovation cluster and the paramedics and so we're going to be talking about uh, Peterborough Public Health next week as their report was, uh, was deferred.
0: Okay so uh, I watched this online too um, and I know that police went first so let's uh, talk about that first um, tell me kind of who showed up and what they said.
7: Yeah, so the chief of the Peterborough Police Service, uh, Stuart Betts, had a job to do. Uh, He was there asking for $4.6 million more next year, uh, so an increase to uh, the 2023 budget, um, which represents an increase of 15.3% and translates to more than $100 uh, per medium household in Peterborough. Okay, Uh, so
0: he's asking... The med- for a budget increase that's big enough that the, the median household in Peterborough, which means that there's half the city it would pay more and half the city would pay less, but that median household would have to pay more $100 more this year for police than last year.
7: That is correct. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so uh Bet's main message was that crime rates go up when police funding goes down and he illustrated that through a series of slides which indicated that as a percentage of the budget, uh the police service are actually taking up increasingly by small increments less and less of the overall uh, municipal budget. But to start things off, uh Drew Merritt, the the finance chair of the Peterborough Police Board, uh kicked things off.
8: And being a business person, I thought that I'd be able to find some cost-cutting opportunities while still providing our citizens the quality of service needed. There are a few that we could find in this organization, but in fact, the Peterborough Police Service has been underfunded for over 10 years. We're treading water, and it is time for Council to help us start swimming so together we can provide the service our citizens do deserve I would like to introduce Chief Stu Betts to present our budget for 2024.
7: So a very vivid image right there, certainly. And a lot of this messaging around uh, the police's current inability to provide service was relayed throughout the police presentation as well. Uh, Chief Betts told councillors that the 2024 police budget doesn't include any frills.
8: Chair, what I'll talk to you tonight about is adequate and effective delivery of police service and public safety in our city. This is not enhancements. This is not what I'm talking about. Enhancements are nice to have. What I'm talking about is the delivery of the very important public safety and personal safety of policing. I'm not looking to enhance anything. I'm looking to provide the service that the community repeatedly tells me they want, and quite frankly, the service they deserve.
7: Betts argued that the force needs more money to hire more staff to respond to rising crime rates and public perceptions of unsafety. He also said that the recent changes to the Police Services Act have placed greater demands on the police services that he needs more staff to meet. And so this year, the service hired 11 new staff, and in 2024, the service wants to hire 10 new staff. Last year, they kept the budget increase lower by dipping into reserves and hiring mid-year. Uh, But this year, that's not happening. Uh, Bets made the case that the city needs to pony up the $4.6 million more.
8: Where we stand is at a request for 15.3% to get us to the level of policing where we need to be to start to provide that adequate and effective policing. This is not a cost that we've just pulled out of the air. This is based on the needs of the organization. This is based on hiring 10 staff members to provide that adequate and effective policing.
7: So we really kept repeating the phrase adequate and effective policing.
0: Right. And there's there's a reason for that, right? Like uh, um, that's what the Act says that police services need to do. And I think something that's hanging over all of this debate is the fact that the city doesn't really have the final say on this police budget at the end of the day. If um, a police services board believes that a municipality is not funding it enough to provide that adequate and effective policing. They can appeal to the province, and the province will decide, okay, how much money does the city have to pay to provide this, you know, quote, adequate and effective policing. What exactly does that mean? I don't really know, to be honest, um, but I think that like it's, it's, it's not irrelevant that Betz is trying to really make the case that, you know, th- these are not enhancements. Right. This is just the bare minimum service. And I think that's probably so that he's laying a good case so that should city council deny this request, they can make the case to the province that um, the city has to pay up. But I think considering that, I think it's like, important to remember like the very next day after the Stuart Betts made this announcement, he announced this like new initiative from the police to crack down on property related crimes. Right. Um, Is that an enhancement or is that just basic, adequate and effective policing? I don't know. Is that something that we get to debate as a community? I'm not sure. Or is that something that that the province ultimately decides? I just don't know. Um, But I thought it was an interesting thing to see Stuart Betts out in the media the very next day announcing this new initiative after he said that he needed this money just to kind of uh, offer this bare bones level of service
7: yeah i mean i thought that was kind of interesting too because he 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 did kind of tease that at council right uh, yeah um on the 15th and so that was that that was interesting i think he would make the argument that it is in fact uh this is something that people the people in the community are asking for but um it seems like the city might not have the final say on this this budget ask then in many ways and if it goes through that might constrain the city spending in other areas and uh alex burke asked about this um Pointing out that it might mean the city can spend less on initiatives that might help address the root causes of crime. And so Alex Burke asked if if Betts had thought this through at all.
8: I think we all believe in prevention in any form, in every form. Policing and law and public safety is no different. Prevention is always cheaper than the response. The problem is we're not able to to provide the prevention either. So until we can, somebody has to provide the response. It would be irresponsible for me not to have considered what some of those implications are, and I certainly have. So I do appreciate you asking about that. I have a demand on service right now. I know because you get those demands and you pass them on to me, as does most other councillors here. The community has expectations of public safety that's my job and i have to be able to provide that until there are other social safety net services in place to look after the front end
7: so there you can see kind of a bit of a catch-22 it makes it harder for the city to pay for other services and initiatives because the police are in need of more money and the police will continue burning themselves out because uh, there's there's too much to respond to until such a time as the city uh, can pay for these services to exist And to provide a little bit more context, earlier you you spoke to uh, Nico Koyanagi, who works with uh, the Peterborough chapter of the Ontario Public Interest Research Group or OPERG, about some of her thoughts on policing in Peterborough. And so, what did she have to say?
0: Yeah, I reached out to Nico because she was at the police town hall. earlier this fall, um, and asked a question about, you know, why aren't we spending more money on housing to to address some of these crime issues? Um, And she was also signed up to provide a delegation to city council on November 14th, but didn't make it. So I reached out to her to kind of talk to her. Um, to interview her so that we could hear what she has to say and Nico doesn't believe that the city should be spending all of this money on policing.
2: I think the, the strategy that the police are using in our community is not actually one that will keep people safe um, but it's more about you know criminalizing poverty criminalizing drug use uh, which I really don't think are effective solutions to these crises that we've been seeing in Ngo over the years.
0: So I asked Nico, um, you know, if you don't want to see the city spend all this extra money on police, would you like to see that money used to maybe reduce the property tax rate, or would you like to see that money spent elsewhere, like making different kinds of investments? She said that she wanted to see the city make other investments with that money, so uh, whether that's in sort of mental health care or social services or housing, the kinds of services that might help to address some of the causes of crime. Um, and she also pointed out that like, the police kind of say this too, right? They say that they are not the ones that are best equipped to, for example, deal with mental health calls.
2: I think, you know, it's really important that the the city, I think, funds organizations, community organizations, community partners that are already doing the work, um, you know, of harm reduction and supporting people, you know, in, in transitional housing, supporting people in the shelter system um, and supporting people in, in finding access to affordable housing as well. I think there's so many services that already exist in the community and that are really struggling for the funds. To continue the work, or to you know, um, really do the work that they that they do well, and without burnout from their staff. Um, so I think just more resources to those organizations would make a tremendous difference. Again, whereas the police, you know, even in the 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 meeting, they kept saying, or the sorry, the city, the town hall, that the police. Um, Hosted, you know, they kept saying, you know, we're not trained in mental health. We're not trained in de-escalation. We're not trained in all these things. So I think, you know, really having the city support those organizations that do have that training, that do have those skills, and that do also have those relationships with community. And Nicole made
0: one other point that I thought was interesting. She said that a couple of months ago, her mom's car was stolen and they, they reported it and there was an investigation and the car was found and there were people living in it. Um, and so you know the way Nico understands that theft is that it was the result of people kind of really struggling and not having a place to stay yeah. and if they had housing, mm-hmm. then maybe they wouldn 't have stolen that car right, uh, which I think is an interesting is an an interesting way to look at it um, but yeah that's sort of so that 's what happened regarding the police um, on November fifteenth um, We will find out in the next couple of weeks whether city council. You know, is going to go for this 15.3% tax increase. And if they don't, then we'll find out, I guess, over the coming months, whether the police will make them. But tell me, so that, that's police. Um, who was the next to present to city council, Sebastian?
7: The first organization following the police was the Innovation Cluster, who was represented by their executive director, Camila Duarte, Uh, Last year, the Innovation Cluster received $144,230 from the city and is set this year to receive a 1.5% increase. However, Duarte was there to ask council for forgiveness on a loan for up to three years. And as it stands, the Innovation Cluster has a total operating budget of around a million dollars. And Duarte said uh, that her organization repays $70,000 to the city per year on that $300,000 loan.
0: Okay. So the city gives $140,000 or so to the innovation cluster per year, but then the innovation cluster also repays a uh, a loan in the amount of $70,000 per year. Yeah. Okay. And, but, and the innovation cluster is asking for that, in addition to, for that $140,000 to be increased by, you know, 1.5%, they also want forgiveness on this loan for three years, which works out to what, $210,000 over three years yeah okay. yeah exactly. How about it. that. yeah okay, that all makes sense to me. Um, but so like what what does the innovation cluster do?
7: Well, they support techie entrepreneurs, uh, but let's let uh, camila Duarte explain.
3: So what we do is to support innovation based companies who want to grow, usually they're first time entrepreneurs, first time business owners, first first time um, um startup founders. So they don't have any guidance. They feel overwhelmed. They come to us. We help them through mentorship, through expertise, to a programming specific that is proven. Every cohort that we have, we improve it in a way that we can escalate and make the companies grow faster. So we do that from zero to Hundred. Every company goes through the same journey. And what we do at the end is that they either launch their business, they know how to test their technology, and they know how to go to market successfully. That's what we do. Uh, got it?
0: Yeah, I think I do. And I'm, I watched the meeting and I uh, also had this like really... Fancy PowerPoint presentation um, that kind of laid out a bunch of stats um, It said, for example, that since 2018, the innovation cluster has created over 900 jobs in the region, which represents um, like an economic impact of $50 million and that they've supported 360 companies uh, in that five years. Um, and this is, these were some claims that like really seems to strike a chord with some counselors. Some counselors were really excited about it. Um, here's how Keith Riel responded. And in particular, he, he, Keith Riel wanted to compare and contrast what he perceives the innovation cluster is doing uh, compared to Peter Bocawatha economic and development. Let's listen to Keith Riel.
8: Are you in the same building as PKED? Yes, I am. Would you like to share that with them your presentation because your presentation was jobs, jobs, and jobs. And when they come, I don't see jobs, jobs, and jobs. But that's what I'm hearing from you. And that's why there's a savings of giving you the money.
0: Okay, so that was Keith Riel's response to the presentation. Um, I, I don't know, I, so I watched this presentation too. I came out of it feeling a little skeptical. Um, I just wanted more information about like, okay, where are they getting these numbers from? Um, what kinds of jobs are they creating if they've created 900 jobs? Um, I always am a little bit skeptical of these claims of like economic impact. I was just always kind of curious how they get calculated. Um, I don't know, what did you think?
7: Yeah, I mean, you share the same concerns as, uh, as other counselors, uh, specifically Alex Burke and, and Joy LaChica.
5: Oh my gosh. Where do I start? I feel like, I feel like trying to explain, like, I feel like my grandma trying to understand Facebook and like, I just, I like, no, but out of no disrespect, but like, this is the second time that I've heard this presentation and and, like, I I get it at a a certain level, but as a citizen, as someone who represents town ward, as a downtown small business owner, as someone who is in tune with, the, the issues and the struggles that some of your, the cat, the catchphrases in, in the slides, like, like speak to, um, like, can you just please, please help me understand and help the residential taxpayer who's supporting this ask, yeah. like actually understand what it is you do. Cause I would, I would, ha- I would get zero out of 10 on a test if I had to, to, to answer to know what you do. I think that you provide help for a certain type of business.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so Alex book wasn't into, like didn't really understand what the innovation cluster actually does and how it contributes to the well-being of the city, or like the city's like tax base or economic development or whatever. Um, Joy Chica also seemed a little bit skeptical. She asked, Duarte not like how many companies have you supported over the years but like how many of those companies have actually like launched how many have become successful companies and sort of like graduated out of the program and Camila Duarte said that five companies had launched this year is that right
7: yeah yeah exactly so like i said like we said a total of 360 over the course of five years 148 companies supported in 2023 um, and yeah five of those have launched
0: okay and 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 Joy was a little bit, uh, I don't know, called into question whether that was a good return on the investment for the city.
7: Yeah, exactly. That was more or less the line of her questioning. Maybe we can uh, we can listen in and, and see exactly how she phrased it.
4: I, I guess my question is, when when we have just five registered businesses in one year, um, is is the fruitfulness um, able to furnish the number of
3: salaries that are part of the endeavor right now? So there is a clear difference between incorporated businesses and launched business. I have about 120 businesses incorporated. So they're paying, they're going to do expenses, they're going to pay taxes, but not all of them are launching because they need work to be launched and to be in the market. That doesn't mean they're not creating jobs because to create a company, you need the investment. So this is planting the seed. For my 148 companies, let's say about 25 are launching this year. But the other 120, they are working, they're hiring people, they're paying taxes, they're doing all the due diligence, they're doing partnerships, they're creating jobs, they're using the city resources. It doesn't mean that because they're launching, they're stale stale, and they're not providing the economic impact I'm talking about. Completely different. So I'm telling you, my 148 companies, they're all providing economic development and jobs to the community right now.
0: So that was the innovation cluster. There was just one more presentation on November fifteenth, and Sebastian, is it okay if we kind of just go through this one kind of quickly? I'm losing steam.
7: Yeah, I think so, and I, can, I imagine some okay. of the listeners probably are too. Yeah. Tell uh, me the
0: last. What was the last presentation?
7: Yeah, the final presentation of the night was uh, from Randy Mello, the chief of Peterborough Paramedics. Uh, the paramedics, as we mentioned off the top um, of the last segment, are asking for just over six million dollars in 2024, which is an increase of 4.1% or about a quarter million dollars uh, more than last year. Uh, again, as we saw with the police, the city has certain obligations to the paramedics in this budget. Uh, Mello is confident would ensure council achieves that next year.
6: What we're bringing,
8: in my opinion, is a fiscally responsible budget. It's one that I think continues to set us up to um, be able to meet the current needs for the community, and it sets a platform for in the future where we are going to need some enhancements, but we're not asking for those in this current year. I think it sets the councils up for the county and the city to be able to fulfill your obligation under the Ambulance Act to provide ambulance services that meet the needs of the community. I think it's in a fiscally responsible way.
7: She also mentioned that the city shares its paramedic service with the county, and the Peterborough paramedics receive funding from both the city and the county. Uh, so the amount in this budget only reflects the city's contribution, or around fifty-six point six four, to be exact, uh, percent of the c- service's overall budget. And this number is based on uh, the twenty twenty-one census data. For anyone who's who's wondering out there,
0: there might be one person that's wondering out there. <laughs> so this was one of those persons. That- this is this meeting lasted. I don't know what was it like three hours and
7: three whole hours.
0: Honestly, I stopped paying attention. I couldn't. I can't concentrate for that long. And that's one another thing that I find fun about Budget Week is it's very exhausting. And there's just like so much information comes at you all at once. I don't think. I don't know. I don't think it's possible for city councilors to like actually um, consider all of it. I can't make sense of all of it, no. and this is—I uh, don't know—paramedics very important.
2: Yeah, extremely uh, important. I
0: have less to say about it than anything <laughs> yeah. else because I was getting tired. That's just the way that the way that it goes. I think it's
7: interesting to just point out, like the just what this budget increase ask um, kind of. How, how does this compare to the ask of the police? And so, as we mentioned before, the the median household will be paying over $100 extra in property taxes uh, next year for the police if the budget passes as is. Uh, meanwhile, the budget ask for the paramedics um, equals about $5.75 for that same property owner and an increase in, in property tax next hmm. year. So,
0: But that doesn't reflect the actual gross budget of the organization, right? The reason for that, like part mm-hmm. of the primary reason, is that mm-hmm. the that's the city's share, right? And so exactly. the county has a share. Exactly. And then the city and the county together only fund fifty percent of the paramedic service. Is that what he said? Yeah. And the province funds the rest. So I'm, you know, just doing some quick math here. That would suggest to me that the paramedic's total budget is twenty four million which is approaching the $35 million of, of the police, the reason it's less of an impact on the municipal taxpayer is because it's split between the city, the county, and the province, whereas the, the Peterborough police are entirely funded by, by the city.
7: Yeah, which raises very, very interesting questions about... Um where the money's coming from and who's paying for the police service yeah and just like
0: historically why that happened yeah
7: yeah it's it raises a lot of really fascinating questions and a lot of a lot of interesting context yeah it's it's we should note too that a lot of this increase um is 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 tied to increases in salaries and uh you know as the paramedics complete their latest round of collective bargaining it's also annualizing uh four new hires that were uh, completed in 2023 so lots of interesting context there and uh yeah.
0: yeah let's wrap this episode up um, this was fun but this yeah. was only like a, uh, the pre-game for next week yeah You'll, well We're listeners will probably be listening to this on Monday November 20th when mm-hmm. deliberations actually get started so uh, yeah that Monday to Wednesday that's when counselors are actually going to be going through the budget line by line and maybe making changes maybe not we will watch and we will have a similar podcast for you to break it all down when it's over Thanks for listening.
7: Yeah. Thanks very much.